Hey everybody, it's Heather Gold and this is Tumble Vision episode 70 with uh, our guest this week, Dita Mehta, all the way from Mumbai. And we're going to talk today with her about some disasters, early disasters that she worked on and how she helped uh, tumble with other people to help even people in New Orleans from Mumbai. What else do you think we're going to talk about, Deb, today? The nature of how you tumble around a crisis. And is it a title, a role? Is it something that changes? And how does that come around? And uh, Kevin Marks, unfortunately, is not here tonight with us, but we're going to touch on the new Google Plus and what it means for the social web, which is big things, and we'll dig into it more in the future. Join us tonight on Tumble Vision. Hey, everybody, this is Heather Gold. How are you? Your co-host at Tumble Vision here with your other lovely co-host. I'm in Toronto, and Deb Schultz is in San Francisco with Percocet, right, Deb? Oh, Vicodin. But yes, I'm 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 enjoying the drugs for Tumble Vision this evening. I had a bit of surgery this week. Right on. And uh, Kevin Marks, of course, the day that Google Plus is launched, unfortunately can't be with us. We will have probably an enormous amount of time dedicated to it, but uh, I almost wonder if we'll do a special. But we have an amazing uh, guest who got up at, I don't know, it's, I, I don't know, it's summer where you are, Dina? Yes. Um, it's almost always summer here. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's summer and then there's deep summer. Dina made it all the way. You're in Mumbai. Or do, do you say Mumbai or do you say... Um, we say we Bombay when we talk English. Bombay. When we say when we talk English, but when we talk our local languages, we've always said Mumbai, so it's it's okay. And and, and what do you, I could never tell as a visiting white person what was the right thing to say, because I kept trying to say Mumbai, and everyone would look at me and say, "Yeah, Bombay, what's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> well, we funny. say we say Bombay. It's very odd for us to say Mumbai when we're talking in English. That's why. It's the translation. But when you you speak in Hindi or Gujarati or any of the other local languages, you always say Mumbai. You've always said Mumbai. So yeah, my my Gujarati is sort of not good, (laughs) (laughs) sort of non-existent. So um, we are delighted to have you here and everybody else who's with us. It is episode seventy. Can you believe we've done seventy tumble visions? And uh, I'm quite proud of us because essentially we've really predicted a whole bunch of stuff. Look, it's happening. Although I will say the big obvious news in the social tumbled world is Google Plus, which I'll get into in just a minute. Tumble Vision is, uh, the show is focused on where our human and tech selves intersect. And we have a salon style podcast here. And we're going to talk about how to connect and create a world that makes sure people are at the center of business, tech, and culture. So we invite some of the most interesting people we can find who are helping make this world happen and tumbling. What is this word? It's an old Yiddish word. It means uh, literally noisemaker, but it's someone who is entertain- hired to entertain at a party and to help get everyone to dance. So it- it's a nice embodiment of a practice. It says, Hey, it's not just about taking care of something yourself, but getting everyone else involved too. So when you want to try to figure out how do you have collaboration work in a networked era, you know, when life is not command and control and I can't find anything, you need to tumble. It's an important skill and practice. And that's what we dig into here. So uh, the big news, like I said, is Google Plus. Now we've spent many, many a show going into how socially awkward and and really useless we felt Google was. We've had a great show with Yuri Engstrom, who built and sold Jaikudu to Google. Kevin worked at Google. We've had all kinds of people from there. And they've had all kinds of difficulties socially. But now they've launched a really major, major uh, product. And we can't go into it too, too much in depth. We'll wait to have Kevin here until we've had more time to play with it. But we just wanted to mention, if you haven't, you can't get into it right now because they have such demand that I guess Deb, they're either the servers aren't working or they just want to try to figure out how to make it, make it uh, better as people use it. I can tell you 
Go ahead, Deb. Yeah, no, I don't think it's about making it better in a 24-hour cycle. I think they weren't prepared for um, uh, the demand in the first 48 hours and how quickly I think it would spread, which is is weird because they should have been prepared for that since they did an all-out push. So they've done something interesting. Is that <laughs> It's sort of a broken process, but you get invited, but they've shut down the system. So if you're not already in the system, you can't use your invite. So I think it's just a way for them to control the experience of those already using it and, you know, build it out. But we'll see. Give it a couple yeah. of days well, to get the kinks out. The one thing I always love about Google is that they do sort of iterate, try, and keep moving on. So I give them credit for that, not making it all perfect before they launch it. So I just want to be the first person to say somebody has been giving Google some kind of therapy that it was <laughs> open to taking because from what I'm seeing so far, it's much above my expectations of what Google could do. And I mean, we're, we weren't spend so much time in it, but I would say just even really quickly, it looks to me like it could absolutely challenge Facebook. It, the most critical things we know are that you can export your data, that you can't re-import it back yet into a second account, I've learned from uh, engineers at Google. That's a critical difference. You can have small groups that they're calling circles that aren't really that different than having a discussion group on a listserv, but you can really specify who you're posting something to quite easily to make it private to just this group of friends or everybody who's on Tumble Vision. We can make a room for everyone, uh, you know, checking on the show. And that those two things make it really quite different. Facebook will not let you uh, message a large list at all, any specific list. So, just for starters, I'd say I'm impressed, and it means um, and it looks like they're going to try to reorganize even Gmail more around people. I saw a quote by Vic Andrada when their major VP saying the web isn't just about information anymore. It's about people. Can you believe that? Deb? I know. I know. No, I couldn't believe it. When I saw um, you quote him, I was like, was that a Google person? <laughs> but that's it's a Google I- person that I assume is in charge of Google plus. Well, yeah, he's working on Google Plus under or with or whatever with Bradley Harwood, who's in charge of the product group. Yeah, I was very excited to hear that. And I think, you know, um, it remains to be, you know, I played around with it a little bit. I'm happy that they're jumping in. I'm looking forward to us digging a little deeper in the next show, especially when more of our um, listeners will have played around. But, you know, good for them for, you know, continuing to hack on it. You know? They're staying with it. Well, I think yeah. it means a couple of things. It means that, like we've been saying on the show for some time, and even before, the web is really a social thing. Or like Contact just said a few weeks ago, it's always been social, but that that's really the, the central focus. And it's just, I mean, Dina, you've been doing things that people have been referring to as social media organizing for quite some time, since you were saying 2004, maybe earlier. I mean, to you, even before that, did the web always seem a socially oriented experience or did you feel like it was about data? Uh, For me, uh, I got online only in 2002. And uh, for me, it was a whole new world and a whole new world of social connections. Um, um, many of them that went on to become more sort, sort of solid business connections, many of them have really cemented into great friendships all over the world. Um, uh, some of them that sort of become these spontaneous uh, groups of people that come together whenever there's, there's a certain need or there's a certain sort of uh, area of interest. Um, uh, so it's entirely social for me. And I think uh, um, I've always called it technology with heart, uh, where you've, you've, you know, when we, when we're talking about blogs and things like that, even before Twitter and uh, Facebook sort of launched. Um, so yes, it's entirely social for me. And it's about how information then flows through these social sort of channels. Right. But do you feel like, I mean, it seems to me that the web has been developed in a way where the, I mean, especially say Google, a major you know, player in the web, um, that that awareness that is social stuff that flows through information has been reversed in its awareness for a long time that people have been developing services and platforms and businesses with the presumption that it's about information that people happen to go use. So to me, that it, you were conscious of that from the get-go, but it just seems to me like the major players are starting to get that now. I mean, if Google's redone something social for the third time with the failure of Wave and of Buzz, 
that says to me, and, and then if a major executive sale with a website of people, they're starting to I guess what was obvious to you, I guess, in the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting point in time. I mean, I haven't seen really any any real innovation after 2006 and Twitter. I mean, Twitter was not, I mean, it was just a little service that was launched and then took off and had a, had a life of its own. But since then, there's been no real big buzz on the social scene, Instagram maybe, you know. Uh, what else has come up that is really interesting? Really interesting. That's a great question. I can't come up with a whole lot that's been different, except yeah. I'd say a little bit of Foursquare, uh, real time finding your friends at a conference or in a place if you use it socially, but they're not designed to be uh, actively social unless you use it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree with Dina. There hasn't been a lot of new, um, uh, he- incredibly heavy innovation in the last four or five years. But, you know, to your point earlier, I think. You know, with the launch of sort of the mass commercial web, I'd say in about 95, you know, it was very content or I'd say you got on the web for two reasons. If you're a business or a big player, it was from a very big content perspective. But if you were individual, you were probably on the web specifically to connect with other people and share what's of you, whether you didn't have content or putting up photos or even video connecting i mean you know tactics of the web's always been social i i'd say you know to me it's it's you know social media is the grease that fuels the internet you're not just getting online just for data just to buy something there's a you know you're getting online to connect to other people you know otherwise we you know otherwise the french minitel things would have taken off years ago if they were just, you know oh my god the french minitel thing yes god. right i mean you know, we're getting online to, to connect to other people because um, we're social beasts, you know. And I think you put it really well that we've sort of flipped the model that now it's social first and content second. But I think um, people, people – I worry that businesses miss the point with a lot of this. Now it's all social, you know. It's all about having friends. It's, 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 it's not that binary. You know, it's, 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 it's woven together content, how I express myself, storytelling, news, you know. It, it's all one big tapestry, and it's not an either-or kind of thing. So, so Tina, you work with businesses now, right? You started a new uh, consultancy called Convo.org, which is very impressive that you got that domain name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we paid for it, <laughs> and we didn't oh. get Convo.com. Um, but, but, you know, that's that's the way it is. And have you found that the businesses you're working with see already this experience as people first or data first or something else? Well, ours is a research and strategy firm. It's not directly linked to social media. We tried that uh, a little bit in 2006. And um, uh, I just felt companies are not ready uh, to have the real conversation around social media. Um, um, all they wanted was a Twitter strategy or a Facebook strategy, and we were not interested in executing on those. Um, I'm an ethnographer, so for me, research sort of is always first, and research is always about people, and it's always centered in people. So um, uh, it was it was very natural to think uh, of doing something around the space of conversations because my blog's always been called Conversations with Dina since 2002, uh, and my business partner Stuart um, uh, is a futurist. He's he he he's a scenarist. He's about bringing strategic conversations into companies, and we thought we'd launch this company that brought these two sort of skills, ground research kind of skills, conversations outside uh, that you can bring into the organization, and then. Uh, those that you can have within the organization. But it's really not to do with social media. And uh, uh, there are enough experts and gurus all over the world uh, that are doing that. So we're not interested in that space, really. And what are you interested in? Uh, Research, uh, research strategy, the future of products. We have projects like what's the future of social computing, what's the next smartphone that we should be looking at in in, an emerging market at the entry level. Uh, Those are the types of topics that we actually really enjoy uh, uh, working uh, with. Uh, It could even be uh, something to do with, you know, how do you reimagine the natural space 
for a uh, you know uh, uh, in in the hair care sort of industry so it's marketing research but it's it's basically uh, uh, based in ethnography all right ethnography i mean i know that uh, mark kevin mark should often say that he felt like because google didn't have an ethnographer meant they didn't prioritize people um We've got, uh, oh, hey, Tony Comstock, thanks for joining us tonight. So when you first got on, part of how I got to first know about you, Dina, was hearing that you were very involved with crisis camps and helping sort of coordinate people socially around natural disasters. And you were doing that quite a while ago. Um, I know it's something Andy Carvin also did a lot of work on. And now Andy Carvin is like the toast of the journalism world. And we had a couple of great shows with him. And he was just saying, you know, I'm doing the same thing I did basically crisis camps. Like I was doing the same thing. So have you, one, how did you, how did that come to be for you? Like what was your first experience saying I could use the web or, or getting involved in organizing around, around that was, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, that sort of changed all our lives uh, in many ways. Um, When I got on the web in 2002, there was, there were very few Indians on the web. There was a lot of, uh, technologists and people, you know, the geeks, uh, who were sort of blogging very, very, uh, geeky stuff. And, uh, I started, uh, blogging in 2002 and, uh, developed a small community in 2003, sorry, early 2003, developed a small community of bloggers. Uh, we were all on rise at one time. And even then we moved like a social bunch from one net- network to another. Um, uh, but, um, in 2004, when the tsunami struck, um, uh, this story has been told many times over. But uh, we set up a blog, and uh, it it sort of took a life uh, which was larger than what we would even imagine that it would. Uh, and we started reporting on things that were happening and collecting information uh, um, on on from the areas that where the tsunamis had uh, struck. And um, uh, this became really big. I think in about uh, eight days, we had a million hits and we brought, this was on Blogspot, uh, which uh, I felt was really rudimentary, but also entry barriers were low and people started blogging, people started coming in and helping collect information. It became like an information repository uh, for the tsunamis. Uh, Then, of course, we transferred it into Wiki. So we were experimenting with all these tools then. it was really interesting. Uh, and I think that sort of set the precedence for a lot of the crisis management uh, uh, tools that came up later. And then when Katrina struck, we actually set up a virtual call center uh, using Skype. And so we got a Skype in number thanks to Skype and, uh, and in New Orleans. And we were manning uh, uh, it across the globe. Uh, on a 24-7 kind of basis. I, I almost felt like a call center employee then. Uh, we were talking to people in New Orleans. And, uh, you're a cliche. But you're, oh, the, yeah, oh, the irony. <laughs> Is it, isn't that ironic? Yeah, people totally. In shanties in New Orleans, hey, have I got some homeless shanty information from you, from India? <laughs> That's too funny. Oh, my God. And, and you actually have people problems with poor white people? We got rid of ours. <laughs> okay, you can just see a really fun revolution there. That could but be hilarious. Your so. <laughs> Skype, or Skype revolution. Sorry, this is killing me. This story. I did not know that you did the call center during Katrina. Okay, so when you say we did this, who are you referring to in your we? And how many people? And how did you coordinate? Who was tumbling the connection between you? Yeah, this is this is really interesting because this is completely decentralized, completely organic, uh, like ant colonies, uh, and. Um, uh, th- there were hubs of sort of more influence and, you know, people with, with more influence. And and there were, you know, people that we actually, just, just all volunteers. So there's a, there's a Google group, there's a Yahoo group, uh, there's bloggers collectives, there's the worldwide help group uh, uh, that, that we've all sort of come together. But initially it was started by Peter, who's based in India, in Bombay. And I'd never met him, but he is a blogger and we were peripherally, peripherally aware of each other. And another guy called Rohit. And 
on on the first day we just decided okay let's do something i mean what can we do sitting at home we were feeling quite helpless and you know uh let's let's get get something done and uh we started this and i think by the end of day 1 or day 2 we had about 80 people volunteering because people wanted to help people didn't know what to do and this was a channel and this 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 allowed people to actually just just contribute uh uh in a very human way <laughs> and this has been repeated again and again so this group exists it's there's no formal entity really uh there were some people in the group who said oh let's form form an ngo which is a non-profit and stuff out of this and some of us felt that no we've got our day jobs we've got other things that we do this is great to do you know as as just just a human thing to do and then when the floods happened in 2006 was it uh in bombay and then when 2611 happened again uh 2611 is the is the terrorist attack of mumbai is the terrorist yeah. attacks yeah. in 2008 yeah i think the, it's there's there's then uh this, this whole family of people that come together to do to help other people you know uh and so, you don't feel so stranded how, and don't feel alone uh there's a lot of the, hmm How is it that sorry how how you're saying how you have this sense of connection with everybody and this sort of people you're describing yourself as you know a, a, a sort of tribe of people who help other people which is very lovely I think I think Andy would be described a similar way and and so how were you coordinating is it just all asynchronous was there someone making sure people were invited or kept in a loop how did that coordination happen Well, when we did the blog in the in in two thousand four, it was very different from today. Um, in two thousand four, there was blogs, uh, there were there was Google groups, there was Yahoo groups. So it was mainly the the Google group and the Yahoo Yahoo group uh, uh, where all the coordination happened. The blog was the front face. The wiki was where we actually put all the information in. But all the coordination was happening on Yahoo chat. uh uh and uh, we we got sms's from the ground uh on on the status updates etc today it's very very different today you have twitter you have push notifications you've got smartphones you've got you know everything coming to you much easier than it did then uh but who organizes these things it's it's like whoever takes it on as as a cause so someone takes the lead in in you know one one place and another person takes the lead in another place so it's really about flow organic it's about um who who really cares at that point who has a time sometimes it's it just comes down to that you know who's who's not busy enough to you know take care of things i know there were people who were getting married like neha and she put everything on hold and we worked our butts off uh in 2004 getting all the information out um not knowing where this was going or what it was helping or how it was helping it, the the beauty of these things is is also that you feel part of a community and that is so powerful because then you feel as a group you're far more empowered and you can make a change otherwise you're constantly feeling helpless as an individual against you know everything that happens whether it's nature or governments or politics or whatever else and and uh Do you have any any thoughts about, about what might be unique or like things we can learn about tumbling through this? Like, do you think yeah, that there's something cultural of everyone Indian who's working in this in this community? Sorry, go ahead, Deb. Well, I, I'll I'll speak to the second thing um, in a moment, but. to point out or sort of reiterate what Dina was saying which is really important and we try to point out these sort of how to tumble tips at when we can is that the group as a whole has to be the type of group that's also willing to um share um you know the tumble the, the tumbler role and the catalyst role for each crisis so because it's a very organic group and everyone sort of has equal footing in a way um there has to be an organic nature and it's the one who has the most passion at the moment or the most something as practical as the most time with something is going to be the person who's going to sort of take on that leadership role for one of a better term to sort of connect all the dots and be the tumbler so it it's not a role like what we're used to in today's day and age where you have this skill and you always have that role you're always the coach or the 
head of the team or the whatever. It, that the point is that that role shifts, and it's a shared thing. Um, so that's really interesting to point out that I think that's a key part of tumbling that it's probably a shared thing and it isn't discrete. And I know a little bit, but obviously not an expert on Indian culture to know that there is sort of, um, you know, making the analogies with then the metaphors that we have in the past with Jewish culture, there is a set of, it helps to have a strong sense of community from whence you come from. And whether that is, you know, physical geographic community or a sense of shared purpose or whatever, or this, or an understanding of what it means to be part of a community and live in a place where people need to help each other. I think that that's a big part of it. And that community can be an apartment building in Manhattan. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, a religious community or something. But people who have who that sense of uh, sense of being part of a community are going to tend to be tumblers as well. I think. Does and that I make think sense? That's, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Deb's absolutely right because uh, I'm just thinking of one of the sort of newest f- uh, sort of trends on Twitter in in India is this whole thing called Big Loser, where everyone wants to lose weight uh, and get more okay. fit. Uh-huh. Okay. We have the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And 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 we we're, we're sponsoring. Each person is sponsoring the other for charity. So if you lose a kilo, I'll sponsor, I'll, I'll give 2,000 rupees to this charity. You know, that's the kind of thing. But it's become such a movement. It's amazing. And people meet. And there's this whole inter- intersection of, okay, now now it's more about, you know, online, offline, meet, you know, meeting people that you, you sort of tumble with online, uh, offline as well. And it's fun when, when, when you get the opportunity to do that. But when we were doing the tsunamis work and that kind of stuff, uh, it was primarily online. We hardly ever sort of met face to face those days. And the beauty was that it cut across geography. It was not just Indians. It was Americans. It was, mm-hmm. you know, people all over the world that were sort of working. Yeah, that's that is it's a that's a really interesting. Um, it, to me, the interesting point is that that you have to feel like you're part of something to want to, per, you know, uh, that you, it has. To, I mean, let me ask you a question. The first time that you all got together in this sort of organic way to help with the tsunamis in '02, uh, the connection that people had between each other were much looser, right? It was. Um, can you can you sort of observe what the difference has been now that you've been through a couple of these sort of um, uh, crisis-y events, and has the group gotten tighter or et cetera? Or less? It's definitely gotten tighter. Um, uh, it's definitely, we're, we're like good friends and we're friends for life now. Uh, right. There's no question after that event, you know, and no matter what, and whether we're in touch and whether we meet, uh, there are people in Bahrain, there are people in America that I've never seen and we've never even video Skyped for that matter. But, uh, you know, um, you know, we're, we're definitely uh, now a bunch of people that, you know, knows each other quite intimately in, in many ways, knows how we think, how we believe, what we believe, uh, where we come from, what our values are. And uh, that is deep. Those are deep yeah. connections. You I know? mean, there's nothing, there's nothing like a crisis. I mean, we've, you know, we, there's nothing like a crisis to bring people together. Or if it's not a crisis, there's nothing like a problem to solve. Right. That's Sarah. I always quote Sarah Little Turnbull. She's the one who told me that. She's a woman who is a very, very early industrial designer. Anyway, I just want to give her credit for that. Go ahead, Debs. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, no. Did I lose you all? Yeah. No, no, no. You're you're jumping in and out a little, but. I, I think about my original connection with sort of social media and blogging was in 01 around 9-11 in New York. And I think about all the tools and things that we used and how different they would have been if it was 10 years later like it is now. But there's something about um, shared purpose or shared fear or a shared task that sort of forces um, a community to come together. The, the, the interesting thing is is how it, how it may or what are the elements that may or may not enable it to um, keep going after that crisis. Because sometimes they, they just, you know, they just go their separate ways. And sometimes you, you're able to sort of keep that connection going. Or maybe the connection just happens every time there's another That's similar the thing. event. Yeah. It's more like every time something else happens, we come together. It doesn't mean that, you right. know, but, but the connection is there. It's just sort of latent. It's almost like it goes right. into a 
through latency and then it uh, gets activated. It's, it's exactly what happened with Katrina. And then when right. the Bombay floods happened, we set up a blog called Cloudburst Mumbai. And mm-hmm. then, you know, there's mumbaihelp.blogspot.com when, when the 2008 uh, um, terrorist attacks happened. So, uh, so, yeah, so people think, just yeah. keep coming together. It, when, yeah. And then you know that there's a group and you know that you're not alone in this whole thing, you know. I like that latent community. Andrew Zoli has used the term that community is something that you put together that is there before you need it. And it's something that big business misses today in in throwing around the community word a lot. In other words, you cultivate community before you need it, and so it's there when you do. Otherwise, it's not a a community, right? (laughs) You know? So, uh, right, you all came together to do something, and then, then that's always there in a latent way, whereas, you know, you can't you can't activate community in that moment if you haven't already had a sense of community. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what I wondered is like, why did you decide to do say Katrina, a call center? What, so, so here you are, you're in Mumbai, we're going to do a call center. What do you know that's going on that you can do or say to help somebody in New Orleans? What do you have to offer them? Okay, so what was happening was we were collecting, we were getting information from the ground in Katrina also. There was a lot of mess with the Red Cross and FEMA and stuff like that happening at that time. And information was not uh, available uh, uh, that easily. Second, a lot of people wanted to help and they didn't know what to do. Uh, uh, except go to the sort of Red Cross and FEMA things, and then they they came across a lot of bottlenecks, etc. So what we did was we set up a place uh, on the web, uh, which was both via blog and wiki, where people we we wanted people uh, uh, to put up what help they had to offer, and those who needed help, uh, uh, and uh, we didn't we didn't do any sort of. Uh, automatic matching of these things, but they all existed. And what we were doing was pointing people to the right places, uh, to the right sort of information, the right sort of people. And of course, there was a big disclaimer that we've not checked any of this. See, the thing is, do you do something? Do you not do something out of fear? And there was so much fear operating at that time. And we said, let's just do it. And people started attacking us a little bit. How do you know whether this information is true or not and stuff? We, we said, there's a disclaimer. Go and find out for yourself. But this information is good. There's a doctor here in so-and-so place that wants to send so much medicine to you guys. Do you want it? Do you not want it? Check it out. You know, uh, uh, it's all available. And then I found what was really interesting was when we set up the sort of call thing, and I took many calls myself, I found it was also like an outlet for people to just vent. And I I got calls. They had no clue who they, they were talking to. They didn't know that we were based in wherever we, we were. And they were just, just saying that, you know, we're so frustrated. And uh, uh, there was a lot of sort of emotional outpouring um, uh, that happened. We were also in touch with some of the shelters in New Orleans. And so um, on the ground. And so so there were connections made then, you know, uh, across these things. Amazing to think. Now, did, I wonder if any of these happened more locally, if there were more American call centers where people just took calls of, of frightened people. Probably did. And to me, I think all this is... Hmm. Very different, no? With Twitter and much more localized, much more real-time, uh, 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 location-specific. Uh, uh, the web has become so much more location-specific and so much more real-time than it was. So I think it's it's a little different now than than it was in two thousand five and two thousand four. Yeah. Now, how has any of this has any of this affected the way you approach the rest of your your work? Now, when you research what happening in cloud computing or your your experience having this very fluid kind of what we're calling tumbling and maybe you do you have other vocabulary you've used for this this idea of how you're going to manage in a more fluid uh way where you're helping get people into an ongoing conversation but you're not necessarily you know command and control telling them what to do oh the best sort of word for it is chaos and creativity you know uh, without that <laughs> Chaos. You're never, never going to sort of, uh, uh, you know, bring bring about a breakthrough. I think 
uh, in some ways. But yeah, I think the word that I like using is flow. It's all about flows. It's all about human. Just, just remember, we're all humans. We're not social, you know, the social media, social networks. Let's get so many, you know, uh, uh, numbers, etc. I think the other learning that I've had over the years for Tamiling or whatever is that you need to have hubs of influence. Uh, it's not just the sheer numbers of people that you have, but who, what are those hubs and nodes of influence? And once you're smart about those things, even as a marketing person, uh, um, I think that's far smarter than going and buying up a million sort of uh, Facebook IDs. And why, what do you mean by you have to find hubs of influence and how did that work when you're doing, say, with Katrina or Tsunami? Say, for example, for example what, what happened with uh, the Tsunamis and Katrina and stuff and how did the news get out and how did Google give us a lot of server space free because we just broke their servers at one time and stuff on Blogspot is because uh, uh, we were connected to other communities like world changing how did the skype in line happen because phil wolf and stuart henshaw were writing skype journal and they put us in touch with uh the guys at skype um now we had these connections someone else knew someone at google and got on their case and said you can't let the tsunami help blog go down right now it's too useful you know and uh um so so and, and then, you know, world changing, I was writing for world changing and Peter was in, in, involved in, you know, some other activities with people at Rediff and the word got up as a result and more people start coming in and helping. And, um, so, so that is critical. And then, you know, through world changing, John and a lot of people, huge amounts of support, uh, that we got, uh, even in terms of technology. Um, then when we started using MediaWiki, uh, we got into trouble with the Wikipedia guys because we were violating some of their policies or something because we were reporting news as well as what was happening or something like that. And then some of those guys, the, the Wiki editors, were really sweet and they don't know us from Adam. And we, over Yahoo chat in those days, we didn't even have, uh, uh, you know, much better tools uh, than that. Um, helped us transition the wiki from one one place to another, and it's just amazing. But it's it's about flow hubs of influence, and it's about it's about uh, talking to someone at a very human level, and it's a human need uh, that everybody has. I mean, I, I think everyone's good, and if you believe that, then then you know uh, you you can do things. It sounds so simple the way you're saying it, but I don't know how common that basic belief is. But I, like, I wonder the degree to which the very simple that. thing that you're saying it is obstacle. And, and so how does one help others believe that, or can you? I think I think these social communities that, that are being built by Facebook and now let's see what happens with the Google Hangouts and stuff like that and circles and stuff. I don't know. But um, Twitter communities, big loser. It doesn't have to be a serious community on, uh, uh, you know, that all we do is social disasters and all we do is uh, serious things. But if we're constantly chatting, there's... We're constantly, you know, having fun together. Sometimes we meet and sometimes we don't. And sometimes we can't because we're in different geographies. Um, um, but if you're part of a community and then you believe that, okay, I, all of us is better than one of us. And, you know, when 2008, with the terrorist attacks, attacks happened, uh, uh, we didn't do anything great or anything. We were just reporting what was on television. But I think what was critical about being on Twitter that time and and talking to each other was this sense of, okay, I'm sitting in my apartment alone and I'm feeling really lost and like what's happening. I'm feeling completely violated because my city is under siege. But I know that there there are so many more people feeling the same and just just sharing that feeling was tremendous. So, so I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, for me, that human connection is 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 the catalyst. It is the and and it's much easier to happen than when there are big disasters and big events and Tahrir Square that happens in Egypt. Uh, you know, it's much easier uh, in those situations to actually uh, bring together people and 
Hey, sorry to have left you. I hope the rest of you stayed on. Yeah, we did. Did we lose you? <laughs> Didn't yes. Realize. That's I funny. I just heard the Mumbai terrorist attacks. Then I was gone. Sorry? You're back. We lost I, Heather I, for a while, but she's back. Okay. Yeah, I am. I am indeed back. So um, we've had a couple of questions here in the chat room. Uh, one of our regulars here, Myers, wants to know about uh, how he praxis. He's saying it's like Marx. This is a thinker. Is this an ethno- ethnographic approach to research? He said he seemed he's pra- seems to to wonder how well, important it is, is in your work. Praxis, yeah, praxis is good. So That's what what good too. could you explain <laughs> what what that is and and how you see it? Uh, praxis is what? What is praxis? Praxis is actually applied applying a, a, a theory into actual uh, uh, practice, isn't it? Uh, isn't it a participatory kind of uh, way of, uh, you know, applying a certain skill or a theory? And engaging so learning, you know, in that. learning from basic application, not just sitting back and... and yeah, learning from doing, them. really. Learning from doing. Oh, but it's a fancy name for just saying learning from doing. Yeah. Wow. And there's, there's nothing, no big deal in that. <laughs> I don't know. It's a fancy sounding word. It got me. <laughs> totally got me. Okay. So, so, well, you know, you have an academic background, you're an ethnographer, but you'd rather do something. How common is that? Like, like, do you think it's going to change academic, uh, you know, appetites in general academics have to do applied stuff? I think so. I think increasingly so. And, uh, uh, I mean, if it's, I don't know. I mean, but I, I'm a very strong praxis person. So, so I'm, I'm not an academic. I do not claim to be an academic. Yes, I've, I've done my uh, master's in sociology and anthropology and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, that was 22 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what I've learned in the last 22 years is invaluable, you know. Yeah. And what, what are things that you've learned from like just say your family or your mom or just from from everyday life that taught you how to help keep people engaged in together of these things i'm just like have there been informal just given that you have an ethnographers like noticing about things because I, I know like, i'm just go ahead cra- crazy curious about how things work and even even before the tsunamis happened and we got to part of it for me was also exploring how these tools uh, uh, actually bring people together, you know, and, uh, uh, how, how do they facilitate conversations? How, how do things flow from one place to another? So in those days we were doing a lot of blogging, even before the tsunamis happened on, you know, meta blogging issues, like how blogs going to change the world and how are they changing the world of the intranet and corporate, you know, I've always been tied to the corporate world as well. And, you know, there are white elephants and big tools there that were useless, completely useless in some cases. Um, but so, so there was always this curiosity about people and technology and, and the whole intersection between people and technology. So I, I don't know how much of it, but my mother's a social scientist. She's, she's, in a completely different sort of way. My father's a doctor. He's a neurosurgeon. I don't know what I got from them, but I must have got something. <laughs> so, I'm sure you got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, did we lose you again? Um, so what, I'm, I'm here. So, so now we're coming to, we have just a little bit of time left. If you guys have specific things you want to ask. <laughs> that was me having the cough. It sounded like I was about to die, but I'm not. I'm here. Other questions you have for Dina, or Dina, things that you're um, you're looking for that you'd like to see uh, with tools now, uh, or with human practices of tumbling. It sounds like it's come quite second nature to you. Do you think that we can um, the things that you think will help spread this so that you know businesses and governments can can operate more this way? Um, I think there's a fundamental sort of letting go of power and fear. And that is, again, uh, uh, whether you're talking about governments, whether you're talking about uh, political sort of disasters and not, uh, or mobilization, whether you're talking about corporate 
you know, and corporates coming into this space and saying, I want this Facebook strategy and Twitter strategy and stuff. I think the fundamental issue is that if you don't let yourself go a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, uh, lose control a little bit, I know it sounds really, really romantic and as a notion, etc. But I truly believe that unless that happens, uh, 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 they're never going to really understand and uh, believe that uh, this this medium can really change the way we work, live, play, love, help, uh, you know, uh, be good and bad and, you know, everything else. But um, if, that, you know, that's, that's the fundamental sort of uh, 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 problem is fear and letting go of the power that you have, you know. Um, but I do, I, I, I want to see more and more, and I, I see this in the Indian sort of uh, sense also, more and more awareness, at least if we can create awareness, at least if these tools can bring more people together for spontaneous uh, action or even for more uh, uh, um, planned action, uh, I think that's good. It's all good. Uh, it's more part of the people then, you know. All right, Deb, anything else you want to ask Dina before we wrap up? Oops, sorry. No, um, I'm, I hope she keeps in touch. I'm curious. Well, I do have one question. So now that, uh, you know, how do you see the difference between strategic conversations that businesses have versus, you know, what we talked about when it comes to, you know, getting everyone together in a crisis? You know, people will... Um, for a crisis and for helping in sort of a nonprofit volunteer way, people will um, participate in a much different way than they will for business. So I was curious if there's any learnings that she had in terms of what she's doing with businesses about how they're thinking of some of this stuff, participation and engagement. Um, I think for businesses, one of the key things is uh, so th there are some things. I mean, go to where the people are. Don't don't bring right. the people to you. You know, some simple things that they can do to actually participate in much better sort of real uh, strategic conversations. Um, that's that's one thing that you know. This uh, don't just interact with people on a transactional kind of basis. Uh, uh, just hang out there, be with them, um, enjoy sort of, you know, you know, join a big loser, even if you're a manufacturer of a soap, you know, <laughs> and be part of that community uh, with people. And uh, don't tell me that you're soap at, uh, you know, your, your, your name is at SO, you know, at soap or whatever brand of soap. But tell me what your real name is. Uh, talk to me as a person. There's so much you can do. I think the other thing is that a lot of these businesses are, uh, 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 they need people, they need PR agencies, they need research agencies to actually engage and connect with people. But I think there's a lot that can be built into the brand manager's toolkit as well. Uh, uh, and, and if they write this into their job, that they have to spend X amount of time on Facebook or Twitter or whatever else, uh, they might really benefit, you know, uh, from it um, in terms of um, what what we're trying to do is trying to use tools like blogs tools tools like you know similar to twitter uh, tools where we can actually post videos in real time uh, uh, text in real time etc uh, into research spaces and bring these practices uh, in a more natural kind of setting uh, to our clients. Um, uh, that's how we're sort of trying to bring the conversation from the outside inside into organizations. Uh, totally, make, well, totally makes sense ahead. to me. I was going to say, totally makes sense to me. It's funny that you mentioned soap since <laughs> I spent two years <laughs> working with P&G on some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was giggling uh, yeah soap so I want to thank uh, Edina for joining us and sharing your stories about how you kind of got into this uh, if people are interested in knowing more about what you're working on you're doing strategic research for companies at convo.org right 
Yeah, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this conversation. Your, your, um, that's the goal, and your your we've really enjoyed it. And your blog is where can we find your blog? It's dinameta.com. Okay, D I N A M E H T A, and your your Dina on Twitter, D I N A. Yes. And I hope you'll you know check back in with us and uh, can, you know continue to learn from from you and what you're doing. And I want to thank Deb for soldiering on despite the surgery and the drugs. Thanks. I appreciate it. That's what we're Thanks, here for. Guys. I think you did great. Thanks. And that you all really were kind enough to not, I mean, it took, I just want everyone to know it took a lot for me not to, what's that? Anyway, it took a lot for me not to just, talk incessantly about google plus this entire conversation <laughs> Cause because we're gonna I, we're gonna it's hold really, off it's really such a game changer it's 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 significant that google is it means big things about google changing as well as things they're doing with youtube and content which is significant yeah cultural change some, for a company there's some subtle things that they're doing in there that that are feature oriented that do show a big shift like in other words the features are subtle but it shows that their thinking is very different i just wish they'd been a little bit more creative with the 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 user experience than making it so facebooky looking but you know this too can be changed but that's okay yeah supposedly zuckerberg is on and he's only got facebook people in his circle and hasn't publicly posted yet but that's i'll just let everyone know it's the latest inside dope i've seen but there's no way this <laughs> isn't going to force facebook to change and since you can easily add anybody on your, in your email list to this thing, I don't see how Facebook gets to keep all of your data locked in there since Google's going to open it up and let you take it out. That's a very hopeful, hopeful thing. And I wonder if the guys working on it's not open source. It's still by a big advertising company, as Dave Weiner observed. He's not optimistic. But so we'll, we'll try to unpack this a little bit more as we can. We have Ethan Zuckerman joining us next week. It's very exciting. Uh, speaking of Global Voices, Dina, got uh, another Global yeah. Voices voice and uh, the new director of the Center for Civic uh, Media at MIT. And we'll be back here same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, if you want to be part of the live before and after chat in the chat room. Uh, and I want to encourage everybody to, to please do review us to keep the, the show going and uh, and uh, let us know how you'd like to see on it. It's been great having you all. Thanks for being here, Tony and Myers and Zeno and everyone else who's joining us. Thank you all. Thanks, Dina. Join us again any time. Keep it posted. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Night, everybody. Yeah.